Welcome back to the Michael Heath Show, the show by the average fan. If you haven't already, please give us a like on Facebook, the Michael Heath Show, as well as as well as tell all your friends, family, and coworkers about the Michael Michael Heath Show. That'd be greatly appreciated. I know we haven't done a podcast in a full month. A lot has happened. A lot has gone by. Been super busy with family, working on doing some things to the Yukon that I got last month. There's some things I've been tweaking, doing a little bit of a, I want to say framework, but busting some rust on the frame, painting it, and putting a protective layer, which I still have to do. It's been doing it in bits and pieces, but it's been coming along pretty decent for the most part. It's been super busy. Haven't been able, able to get time to come down here, do a podcast, so I'm kind of excited to have a full week off. I'm going to try to do a couple podcasts. But first things first, we have to talk about Michigan versus Michigan State. This one's kind of a hard one to talk about because there's a lot of different emotions. I can understand if you get blown out. I can definitely take that. I can take it if it's a close game and you just end up not capitalizing. But what I cannot take, and I just cannot stand, is that when outside interferences always kind of dictate the pace of the game and the outcome of the game. And and it did happen. You cannot tell me it did not happen. Because throughout the course of that game, there were some really bad calls that happened. Some really bad, controversial calls that have happened. Essentially, it was a 14-point swing. 14-point swing. Seven points ended up was given to the Spartans, which which it should not have. And there were seven points that were taken off the board from the Wolverines, which should not have. And I think that's even the, the bigger one of the two, was the fact that you know what? I could kind of live with the fact that, hey, you know, they call it a touchdown on the field. It's kind of close. He did, didn't, didn't seem like he had complete control of it crossing the plane. I, I can kind of slightly live with that one. But the fact that they took a touchdown off the board is absolutely criminal. I mean, there was no indisputable evidence that the quarterback had his knee down or had any part of his body down before he fumbled the ball. That was a strip sack, fumble, touchdown, Michigan that they took off the board with no refutable evidence whatsoever. If you were to get those referees in a room today and tell them, hey, what did you see that made you change the call on the field, which was a touchdown? What did you see? specifically that made you say, hey, this is not a touchdown. We got the call wrong. Because there isn't anything. There absolutely isn't anything that we've seen that would make you say, okay, I can see why they reversed that call. You have to remember, it's what the call on the field is, which was a strip, sack, fumble, touchdown. That was the call on the field. Where is the evidence to dispute that saying, hey, this was, a, this was not a fumble? There isn't. You don't go and re-ref the play, just like they said in the broadcast, which was kind of awful as well. I mean, Gus Johnson and I, I like them, but it just, they play favorites. It, it's kind of annoying when someone gets that too much into a game. And it's like... Just broadcast the game. Now, you don't see John Madden all, oh, my God. No, you don't need to do that. It's like, geez. You don't go and re-ref the game or the play. You go, it was a call on the field. This was a call on the field. It was a fumble. It was a touchdown. What evidence is there? And there wasn't. There absolutely wasn't. And that is the biggest travesty that I, I just, you know, it, when, at what point, are we going to say, hey, we had to hold refs accountable? When? Because it, it continuously happens that these, that 
a ref will make a big, big time mistake and have no repercussions whatsoever. None. And I'm not saying, you know what, you could say, and I'm not saying that's the reason why Michigan lost. But I will say is that if you say, oh, well, that's not the reason why Michigan lost because, you know, they had this opportunity. Oh, you're going to sell for field goals. You capitalize on fourth down and blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, they made the plays. It's just they were taken away. They made the plays, but they were taken away. Third down, I think it was a A.J. Henney on a jet sweep gets the first down, and they call it a bogus holding call. Got the first down. They made the play. And just they took it away. Speaking of holding, I mean, you could call holding all day. Uh, I mean, on absolutely every play. But it's the egregious holds that really, really ticked me off. And if you call something minor like that, a holding that is so minor like the one on Anthony. But yet again, here's... You know, Aiden Hutchison and Ajabo getting held essentially on every single play, like egregiously almost on every single play, but they're still hitting the quarterback. Or when Kenneth Walker makes a cutback, you don't see that egregious hold right there? Come on. If you have made the right hold calls, Kenneth Walker wouldn't have half the yards he had that day. He wouldn't have half of them. If you're going to call it on Anthony, you have to call it. Fair. If you didn't call it on Anthony, then heck no, Kenneth Walker, that was a legit day. Which it still is a legit day. He is a beast. But you have to call it right down the middle. And that's one thing. It takes away from a really great game. But I mean, that, it was just the ref. It was just awful. Absolutely awful. One possession. There was like three or four reviews. It was like, come on. You didn't see the the grass from the turf fly off the field fly off the field when the ball hit the ground, but they still called it a catch somehow. Somehow still called it a catch. You, you didn't see the grass fly up in the air in the replay? That's what I don't get and then if you look back at it at the at the what is it the the betting line or whatever or the spread I should say yeah the, the spread it was a four point spread what did the Wolverines end up losing by a four point spread I'm not saying that there isn't any you know Anything behind that? It's just, it's kind of a coincidence. It really is. I mean, it sucks because we're, we're talking about this instead of an awesome game, an awesome comeback by Michigan State. But again, I'm not a Michigan State fan, so I, I'll say this. Michigan State does not deserve to win any game just on the sole basis that their fan base just does not know how to act after a big win. Don't worry, Michigan. I'll get to you guys as well. The fact that you have to go start burning couches, tipping them over SUVs, is just the most pathetic thing I've ever seen that you can ever do as a fan base. It is a pathetic fan base. It was. It kind of sucks because I know some really good Michigan State fans, and there are some good Michigan State fans out there. But when you do this, it just shows how pathetic your fan base really is truly is and you want to call michigan scum and all this but yeah again you you're destroying property which if you listen to any of my podcasts you know i'm 100 against if it's not yours don't touch it if it's not yours don't destroy it but yeah but here you have these ass clowns in east lansing living up to their name east land east landfill and just destroying stuff just because you won a football game. Act like you've been there. I know you guys haven't won much in the history of your school. But act like you've been there before. The Lions haven't won much, but they actually, when they do win a big game, 
which is few and far between, they don't go and destroy the damn city. I mean, that is the biggest thing that, you know, if you if I want to hate Michigan State on, it's, there's a lot. And that's one of them. And the fact that they, they have the goal to come after Michigan fans for being arrogant and being this and that. Take a look at your own fan base. Because it is absolutely despicable. Come on. I'd much rather be arrogant and think I'm better than other people, which I'm not. I don't think that at all. But I'd much rather be arrogant or be an arrogant asshole than be a despicable loser that has to go out and destroy property. Burn couches just because we... We won a football game. We finally beat our rival. Well, I should say finally, but... Man, it's just... Why? Why so? Why destroy a great moment? You just... You just beat your rival. You're unbeaten rival. So you remain unbeaten. But yeah, again, you guys ask like a bunch of ass clowns. That's a bunch of... That's a classless fan base. really is. But now that I got that out of the way, we can talk about Michigan and why. You know this. No, this is now where I'm gonna start picking on the Michigan side. Really, talk about the Michigan State side. Talk about the despicable fan base. Now it's time to go after Michigan and its fan base a little bit. Really. Because it has to be fair a little bit. The one thing you had to do was contain Kenneth Walker. That's all you had to do. They're passing. I mean, that's all Michigan State really has was Kenneth Walker, and that's about it. I mean, they had some good wide receivers, but let's be real, it's kind of over exaggerated. I mean, Michigan State is a good team, but it's not a great team. Michigan is a good team, but not a great team. You had a better defense, you, sh- but you did not game plan to at least contain Kenneth Walker. I mean, Michigan State game planned say, hey, if you're going to beat us, you have to beat us through the air. You have to beat us with Cade McNamara, and Cade McNamara shredded him. But they did not let Blake Corum or Hassan Haskins get loose often. They contained them pretty much pretty well but you if I was Michigan I would have been like all right if you want to try to take away if I was going to take away one thing I would have taken away the running game like you know what you can beat me through the air you know what I like kind of like we're kind of even in a way with our DBs and wide receivers I'm just going to take away the run game that was one of the poorest coaching jobs I've seen out of Michigan all year on the defensive side of the ball. You did not game plan to contain Kenneth Walker, and you had nothing to adjust. You didn't adjust all game on how the way you coached. You had three to four too many men on the field or illegal substitutions. After the first or second one, you have to say to yourself, hey, we can't do that. We cannot do that anymore. It's just going to hurt the team. And the fact that they wouldn't even take time out to nullify some of that. First quarter, you have to. I mean, it's or the first half, you have to. I mean, those timeouts are kind of meaningless in a way. Not, I wouldn't say completely meaningless. In the second half, I can understand why you want to conserve your timeouts, but you cannot They get caught in a substitution like that over and over again. You know Michigan State likes to run a little bit higher tempo. You cannot be caught in substitutions, and I think that is one flaw that has been exposed by by Michigan State. And this is what Michigan State does. This is what Ohio State does. This is what they were taught by their, you know, 
pretty much by what Jim Tressel. You find the one weakness that Michigan has, and you attack it. That is one thing that Mel Tucker did, is that he found that one weakness, and he attacked it. To hurry up and catch an element with too many men on the field. Essentially, just to hurry up. Because if you ran at a faster pace, Michigan wasn't able to stop it. Wasn't able to get off the field. At the end of the day, Michigan State made way more plays. They outcoached Michigan on that on that terms, in those terms. Offensive side of the ball, Michigan was just absolutely just destroying them through the passing game. But yet again, you try to get too cute. You try to switch it up a little bit. You have to, at points, ride the hot hand. And McNamara had the hot hand. The game's on the line. You have to go with the guy you trust the most and your starter. And you did not do that. And it almost almost bit you once. Bit you once, almost twice. And the last one was the most costliest one. I mean, it's just... You just can't get out of your own way. And for Harbaugh, this is a... This is probably the last straw, really. If you look back... Not to say look back, but look at Michigan and you look at how the way they've been coaching games. It is still old school in many different ways, shapes, and forms. This Michigan is not going to take the next step if they continue to coach games like they have been. I'll say this over and over again. I've mentioned this over and over again. Michigan has not taken the next step or hasn't gotten away or cut the umbilical cord, whatever cliche you want to use, from the Bojan Beckler era. And it's showing today. And the fact that they're still winning some games is that way. Well, it's because you have better talent. You're going to beat those good teams. They're the teams that you should beat most of the time. But it's when you start playing the good to great teams, the teams that are evenly matched or have better coaching than you, which has shown you're not going to win. You're just not going to win. Because teams prepare to beat you. They design plays specifically for you. They design game plans specifically for you. I don't see Michigan doing that whatsoever. I didn't see them to try to contain Kenneth Walker. I didn't see them try to game plan. But they kind of game plan to attack the... They, it was actually pretty good. I'd actually say it was a, if it was either Jim Harbaugh that was calling the offense, which I don't think it was at this point, but I still think he has a lot of say in it. Or if it was just him finally letting Josh Gaddis just have you know, a free-for-all with it and saying, hey, you know what? We're actually going to throw it downfield, and they did. They were, you know, they pulled out some trick plays on offense, but still it's execution of it. And this is why you have to continuously... That's why at the beginning of the season, I was kind of frustrated that they were just, oh, let's keep running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. One, you're not you're not honing in on your passing game like you should have been. And two, you're showing too much of the run game. You're showing way too much of it. Because now when it, time, when it gets time to get into your rivals, well, they have your whole run game playbook, essentially. And let's be real, Michigan offensive line was kind of struggling in the run game. They weren't getting that nice push that they were usually doing, you know. And it was a horrible day for Blake Corm to have his worst game as a Wolverine. But it seems like they were just, they did not come to play. They did not come to play whatsoever. I mean, they they went down pretty easily, it seemed like. I mean, Blake Corum, you r- runs pretty hard, but he 
It seemed like first contact, boom. Shoestring tackle, boom. It just, they, it just seems like they just don't get up for games. The most important games. It's a, it's a tough setback, especially for Harbaugh. It was a really tough setback for this team and for Harbaugh because, honestly, you can't go any longer with losing to your rivals. You've only beaten Michigan three times. Three times. That is on set. You haven't beat Ohio State. But Michigan hasn't beat Ohio State only. No, they only beat Ohio State twice in the past two decades. 21 years. Since 2000. That is really on set. And it's this fan base that just embraces mediocrity that really pisses me off. Really pisses me off. Who else are we going to get that's better? How will you know if you don't try? Saying 9-3, and 10-2. They had their decent years, good years. But that's mediocrity. Oh, Bo Schembechler had a horrible bowl record and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's mediocrity. That's bull crap. That shouldn't be the standard. That shouldn't be... That should be the floor right there. That should be the... That shouldn't even be the floor. I mean, you look at Alabama and Ohio State. Ohio State? Heck, we lose... Let's see, Ohio State, on average, I say, loses a game a year. Maybe a game a year. Regular season, they haven't... I don't think they've lost that regular... Well... They just recently lost a regular season game. But on average, I mean, you look at their past records. I mean, they're one, two losses. Maybe, maybe. They went out in the regular season. And yet you're complaining when they don't beat these teams. It's because you're embracing mediocrity. Ohio State is shooting for a national championship. They're not shooting just for a Big Ten championship. They're shooting for a national championship. They're trying to compete with... Alabama, you're trying to compete with them. Barely try to compete with them. Same thing with Michigan State. They're, I want to say their expectations are no national championship, but right now they are. And you still haven't won a Big Ten, ten, Big Ten championship. You still haven't won a Big Ten East. Don't give me that any bullcrap about sharing a Big Ten East title because... You got absolutely shellacked by Ohio State that year. Harbaugh just cannot get it together all at once. He gets outcoached. And we can't you can't keep embracing mediocrity. You just can't. I mean I, I literally seen posts from you know people saying well, I think your expert people's expectations are too high and blah blah blah. Bull crap, this is Michigan. One has never been the goal to win every single game. When when it has when has the goal been, hey, let's shoot for third place in Big Ten East. If that's what you were saying, well you accomplished that. You've been meeting your goals almost every dang year. Quit embracing mediocrity. Michigan State is embracing mediocrity. Look at them. Mel Tucker is doing more with less right now than Harbaugh is doing with with a lot. He's doing a lot less with a lot more. Michigan always has the... Ten- I'm telling people, it's not a talent issue with Michigan. It's never been a talent issue at Michigan. Michigan has always gotten the talent. I mean, you might say it's dipped off a few years here and there, but it's, it's always had talent. I'll give you, okay, the Rich Rod kind of depleted the talent pool a little bit. Brady Hope kind of brought it up a little bit with his recruiting. I mean, it kind of fluctuated up and down a little bit, but they've always got talent. It's about using that talent. I mean, you're looking at a lot of these talent 
a lot of the talent that's going to the NFL right now, like Donovan People Jones, they're doing pretty well. But what what did they do here? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's because they're not being used right. I mean, if you no, know, to be honest with you, if I was a wide receiver, I'd probably go to Ohio State because it seems like they have a hell of a lot of fun. Hell of a lot more fun. If I was a quarterback, I'd probably go to Oklahoma. Because now you're going to sling it all over the field. You're going to win a lot of games. And you're probably going to get drafted very, very high. And not, if not, win the Heisman. If I was offensive defensive line, I mean, I'd you ever pick of some pretty good schools. Michigan would probably be one of them. Wisconsin would be one of them. Alabama would have been one of them. Ohio State might have been one of them. Davis backs. That could be anyway, LSU. I mean, I don't know about as lately, but I mean, wide receivers, probably LSU as well. But I don't see Michigan because it just seems like they don't have as much fun as they should. I mean, that Anthony, Andrew, Anthony, I think his name is. He's good. He's gonna be the star. He's gonna be the next star. There's stars on this roster and on this team. It's about getting them to play and putting them in the right positions to succeed. And that is not has and that has been happening. Yeah, I'll give it that. You know, the guy's a true freshman. He's coming up, and he's made a big splash. Well, let's hope he continues. Let's hope that they continue to use the guy. He has, he he stepped up. Probably should have used him a lot more in that game. It looked like he could have took over that game, like Kenneth Walker did. He probably could have took over that game. They would have used him a little bit more. That, that's just, and, and I'll say this, Michigan, it seems like they're always, you know, they don't get as lucky. And they just it just seems like they're just a hair off. Sometimes like that flea flicker play to it was Anthony just a hair overthrown, just a, overthrown just by a little bit. But man, it's I mean, what do you if you're Harvard, what do you do now? You have to you have to be Ohio State. I mean, you look at your record, it's almost. I don't care who wins. As a head coach of Michigan, I just want them to win at the end of the day. That's it. We'll take a small little break and we'll get right back into more Michigan talk. We'll hit up on the fumbling, bumbling, struggling Lions and the disasters that that has been. Okay, welcome back to the Michael Heath Show. Well, let's continue our little conversation that we're having about Michigan football. And we'll go a little bit into Michigan State because I have to give them credit, man. I, after getting a lot of that stuff off my chest, it gets a lot better. I feel a lot better. But we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Michigan State and have to give them their due. Have to give them, and I want to say, you know, a little bit of respect. I mean, you have a hard respect a fan base that goes out, burns couches, destroys SUVs, and whatnot. That's just despicable. But the team itself and the players, I have to give respect to because they weren't a part of that. They were not a part of that whatsoever. But let's continue on with Harbaugh. And, you know, it really, to be honest with you, it seems like it could be possibly his last season with Michigan. He tried to right the ship. But you're in year seven now, I believe. You've been at Michigan since 2015 was your first season. So six, year six, seven, I would say. And it just had you. It's been bumpy. It's been very bumpy. It has not been consistent. And 
it's been very, I don't know, it's been kind of John Cooper-esque in a way, where you've had great teams, but you just can never get over the hump. And there's just been some seasons that were just absolutely atrocious, I believe. And it just seems like it just never really got together. It was never really a solid foundation from coaching standpoint. Like right now, if you have came in with the guys that you had now, which I know, you know, Rick, uh, Mike McDonald is, I know he was young. I don't think he would have been, you know, even thought of five, six, seven years ago. But you had DJ Durkin, who was a pretty good defensive minded coach. Kind of crazy, though, but still pretty good. It was on the offensive side of the ball that was always kind of, you know, off-kiltered in a way every single year. I mean, you had Jeb Fish for a couple of years. that had his hands in the mix in the offense, and I think he was really, in that pro-style offense in the first couple of years, he had him rolling. He had him humming, you know, how you wanted, like, a pro-style offense. You know, kind of grind it out, long, sustainable drives, keep your defense on the field, and get points. I love that type of offense if you can execute it like the way he did. They tried to do that after he left because he left for UCLA, I believe. And then you had Tim Draveno as well. He was there with Jed Fish. Uh, then you had Pep Hamilton replacing who I believe replaced Jed Fish. Then you had Jim McElwain, who brought a little bit of life, but not so much. I mean, it's always been a very uneven, not a sustainable offense, and it, which can be complete terrors for a coach. Some coaches are able to progress on with it, but when you're trying to rebuild or reestablish a team, it's not a good way to go. You want some kind of consistency. Right now, I think they do have that on offense, but I think it's a little bit too late. Guys with like Mike Hart and made a really big difference. The problem is, I just think the time is running out on Jim Harbaugh. I think it's getting kind of not that his style is getting old, but I think it's a little bit just too late. You know, it's you can't go winless against Ohio State. You can't go barely 500 against Michigan State, which you're not even 500 anymore. You just can't do it. Now you went back and forth with Notre Dame. But you have to, I mean, you want to be the man, you have to beat the man. Right now the man is Ohio State. In order to Beat Ohio State. You had to at least be similar. I mean, you go, you see them. They constantly outside of a game here and there beat Penn State. They beat Wisconsin. They beat Michigan State. That's what you have to do constantly. You have we have to beat the good to great teams constantly, like Ohio State does in your conference. After the conference, that's a completely different story because Ohio State more times than not loses. I mean, they finally got over the hump against Clemson but then they absolutely get mauled by Alabama. Alabama is just a completely different breed on its own for the most part because it, they're just stacked with five, four and five-star recruits. And, and to be honest with you, that, that's the biggest difference. If you were to take away all that from Nick Saban, how good would he be? We just don't know how much coaching actually goes into it. Because if, it's it's not that hard to throw out, okay, I have the best talent out of all college football. Just throw that out there, and it's pretty much going to almost win you a lot more games than not. But, yeah, also you have to develop the talent. So, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, it's you have to develop the talent, and you have to put them in the right positions to succeed. That's what Nick Saban does. Georgia's been doing that pretty well this season. They are, they are rolling. They are, right now it's, it's, Georgia and everyone else. But man, it's you know, it's it's time for Michigan to hit the reset button. And I'm not just talking about coaching wise, just I'm just talking about Jim Harbaugh. I'm talking about as a football program as a whole. 
you have to let someone come in and have complete control of the football program and let them do what they want. Yes, I understand that you let Jim Harbaugh have the whole have the keys to the program. But we all know why he did that. It's because you know he's a Schembechler disciple. He has ties to Schembechler. My whole point is that you have to cut that umbilical cord. You have to let someone fresh come in and take that program and take it over and add its his add its chapter to its history. Because right now you're just trying to capture lightning in the bottle. You're trying to, you know, live in the past. And guess what? You're not keeping up with the times. You're not keeping up with how football programs ran. Yeah, you might have top-notch facilities. You might be keeping up in that aspect, but you need to keep up on the field too. And you're not doing that. It's just simply not doing that. Like I said before, I mean, you can still have the great values that Michigan has always had as in doing everything the right way, but you have to change how the way you play on the field. And right now, Michigan hasn't been doing that. They've somewhat been doing that. But I want to see them attack teams' weaknesses. I want to see them game plan specifically for a team and say, hey, this is a team's weakness. This is how we're going to attack it. Simple things like that. That's what I want to see. Now, the question is, is now I'm not saying... Right now, you just have John Cooper. And eventually, you have to cut ties with... John Cooper, because he's not beating your rival. And right now, he's kind of a poor man's version of John Cooper, in a way, because John Cooper's had some really great teams. Yeah, it lost to, you know, the big in the big games and to your rivals. Who are you going to replace said person? And this is the big biggest argument on why you don't fire Harbaugh. Who didn't get that is better than Harbaugh? That has been the one thing. It's like, you know what? You cannot be scared to make a change because of failure. You might fail. You may not fail. But you cannot, you cannot just stand by and just say, hey, things are going to be good when things aren't good. Is he going to beat Ohio State this year? We'll, we'll find out, but I don't think so. You still have to go to Penn State. Penn State has a good defense. But Penn State's down, so you're probably going to win that game. That doesn't tell me much. This season has not told, told me much. Is that you just beat the teams that were that you were better than then. Nebraska, yeah, they played inspirational. Very inspired. You beat them in Lincoln. And yeah, you beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. But Wisconsin's also down. Yeah, they might have just beat Iowa, but they were down when you played them. You really haven't beat anyone that was playing top-notch. Your state was playing top-notch. You didn't beat them. Yeah, you can say you didn't get... And they got helped out by the refs. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And we can get into more of the reasoning why I agree with, you know, that you can say, hey, you know, they were helped out by the refs. Hold heartily. That's a wholly different discussion that we kind of already have, or we already had. But you just cannot continue to lose to Michigan State, lose to Ohio State, and expect to keep your job. You need to hit the reset button. You need to let someone come in and build the program and their vision. Step away from the... You don't see Ohio State talking about the Woody Hayes era and how... And try to, you know, recapture that and whatnot. No. They moved on from it. And they're building off of it. Alabama. Bear Bryant. They moved on from it. And they're, they're building off from it. Not trying to sustain it. Michigan has been trying to sustain... Bo Schembechler, since he's been gone. 
since he's hung up the headset. And you know what? You got away with it for quite some time, which is understandable. I mean, Gary Moeller was a hell of a head coach. Lloyd Carr was a hell of a head coach. At what time do you have to say, is like, hey, we have to go and put a new stamp on this program? I mean, Wisconsin and Barry Alvarez, they named, they named the field after him. But they, you don't see him trying to, like, oh, this is not what Barry Alvarez would have done and blah, blah, blah. Nope. They went through multiple coaching changes since then, and they, heck, they've been pretty, you know, pretty good ones. And they, each coach was able to put the stamp on their program. The big thing is that Michigan, you know, everyone has to step aside and be like, hey, whoever they whoever they pick, hey, we can't write them off. Because you cannot tell me if this if Jim Harbaugh did not play for Michigan, that he would still have a job right now. There's no way in hell he would have a job. He ran off Rich Rod after three seasons because he couldn't beat Michigan State. Ohio State. Brady Hoke was rightfully wrote off after, I think, what, four or five seasons? He beat them. He beat Ohio State once and Michigan State once. That's it. Ironically, he has one more. Jim Harbaugh has just one more win over the rival than over your two top rivals than what Jim Harbaugh has. And Jim Harbaugh has been there for a little bit longer. You have to hit the reset button. You can't keep on living in the past, trying to bring it along or try to keep this. Yeah, you can. It's what history's for. You remember the history. You learn from the history build off of it, but you don't try to recreate that history. Because when you try to recreate that history, you're going to fail miserably. You have to do it your own way. Now, a couple coaching candidates that we'll probably get into, or we'll just name, I would say, as of right now, I would just say, hey, I'll let them have the program. If Michigan and Jim Harbaugh decide to part ways, which I think would be better for both if they did if they decided to do that. Honestly, there's a couple really big names out there that are very popular in the coaching searches right now. And obviously you can be fighting LSU for a few of them. Well, maybe. LSU probably thinks they can probably pick someone off right now as in like James Franklin or Mel Tucker but I it would be Matt Campbell or Luke Fickle I think would be the top two candidates right now if you want to try to get Gary Patterson from TCU who's constantly did more with Wes you could do that I don't think that would be the way Michigan would want to. Really, I'd, I'd probably go with Luke Fickle. Yeah, he's in a way, and ironically, I'm saying don't re- try to recreate history because if you try to recreate history, you're going to fail miserably. I'm going to eat some of those words right now because uh, you look at it, Luke Fickle, he is an Ohio State disciple, and what was Bo? And Ohio State's disciple. So in a way, I'll kind of eat words or eat my crow, but you have to go with who's the best candidates out there. And right now, Matt Campbell and Luke Fickle are probably on top of the list if you're Michigan. I mean, you can say Mel Tucker is out there for any other program. But he's also competing with USC as well. And I don't know why Matt Campbell hasn't been picked up yet. Or heck, you know what I would go with? I'd go with Joe Barry. 
or Joe Brady. I believe it's Joe Brady. That's who I would go with. Those three would be my on my top of my list. Joe Brady, Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle. I'm bringing them in. I'm offering the keys to the program. I'm telling them, this is what you have to do. You have to win. You have to beat Ohio State. You have to beat Michigan State. You cannot flop. You have to annihilate them in order to stay on. Pretty simple. Just win every single game. Start off with beating your rivals and build off of that. Those are the expectations. Because I'm telling you right now, if you beat your rivals, you can keep your job. Mel Tucker, he could lose the rest of the season. And guess what? He's going to keep his job because he beat Michigan. You can, he can stay at Michigan State. He can float around 500 as long as he beats Michigan. But if he beats Michigan now all those years, it don't really matter. It don't really matter. Just beat your damn rivals. And for Michigan, that hasn't happened. It's been far in and in between. And it cannot be like that anymore. Anyway, let's get into... Uh, let's get... And like I said, we're going to give Michigan State and the players their credit because they played a hell of a game. They came out, they weathered the storm, and they made a good comeback. They, they stayed in the game. They didn't fold up. Kenneth Walker is definitely a Heisman candidate, and he's probably going to win the Heisman. Probably should. Continuing, if he continues. Because after this game, let's say he drops off, he ain't winning the Heisman. Because if you have a pig drop off, let's say you get completely shut out against Michigan, against Ohio State, against uh, Penn State, I think is still on the schedule for them. If you get shut out in those two, in those two games, or you just completely fall off the face of the earth, of course you're not going to win the Heisman. Right now, I think he's the front runner, and he's probably has the best chance to win the Heisman as of right now. Mel Tucker is probably the. He's going to win the coach of the year. If not, he's going to be maybe on his way to either LSU or some other job. Maybe if their price is right. Because I don't think East I don't think East Landfill will have the money after paying for all the damages that have occurred over the weekend. Probably won't have the money to, or maybe they'll pony up the money to try to keep them. But you're trying to compete against. SEC, LSU, USC, it's pretty deep pockets. And I guarantee you that they will outbid you even if they don't have the money. You'll find it somehow. But man, it's crazy, crazy weekend. Crazy weekend. It was definitely it. It reminded me in a way of a of the Braylon Edwards game, where Braylon Edwards absolutely took control of the game, and they were Michigan was down late in that game, and they came back. It reminded me of that, just the opposite with Kenneth Kenneth Walker. That's what it kind of reminded me of. You know, but anyways, there's still a lot of football left. We'll see what happens. I mean, it it just kind of just sucks the life out of you when when you lose like that, and when you when you win like that, it just gives you life. But I'm just a fan, so it, I mean, yeah, I get a little bit too invested into it, more than I should, but I've always been that way, ever since I was a little kid. But I'm not, I don't let that try to bring me down, and I would never, and see, this is one thing I just don't understand about fans, 
I would never fight someone just because they're a fan of so-and-so's team. I think that's just the dumbest reason in the world to go. Now, if so-and-so is being a complete a-hole and is causing trouble, that's completely different. I'm not just going to fight someone just because they're of this team or I'm going to look down on someone because they cheer for this team. That's their favorite team or talk smack to them. I, I just leave them alone. I, I just think it's like the dumbest thing in the world. And you see this all all sports. That's why I have no respect for Philadelphia fans. I have no respect for 49er fans. I have no respect for Raider fans. Well, yeah, Raider fans, they do. You know, I kind of like some of the Raider fans, but they're kind of funny. But I said, hey, as a little as get them, and when I say as fans, I'm talking about when you get them around a group of other fans. No respect for those fan bases. I have respect for the individual fans that you can talk to and that have, you know, have an actual conversation with, do a little bit of trash talking, whatnot. But it's all in fun and games. The ones that take it too seriously and start fighting, that's just stupid. Why the reason why I love Bill's Mafia? Because how they can get down. They can get down. And I'm not talking about you know, and throwing throwing hands or whatever. I'm talking about you know party. You know, yeah, they're not gonna be throwing hands. They're gonna be throwing each other and themselves through tables. I mean, there's just hey, you know. They, that is the type of stuff that I don't want. Heck, if you want to destroy your own table, destroy your own table. If it's yours, destroy it. As long as you're not rioting and destroying stuff that's not yours. Yeah, Bill Mafia is probably one of my favorite, favorite fan bases. Outside of Detroit, well, of course I have to have mine as number one. The Lions. Because we just get beat down mercilessly by our own team. Year after year. Game after game. So we'll transfer over to the Lions now. It's Man, that was a horrendous game to watch. I didn't even watch. I started shooting pool around halftime. I have a little pool table. And it's actually a pretty decent pool table. It's an older one. It's a... Of course, it has dog hair because my dog, I don't know how dog hair gets like a abundance of dog hair. Like he lays on it, but he doesn't because he doesn't, can't get up there. But I try to like vacuum it up or whatnot, which is probably not that good for the pool table. But you know, it's, I didn't pay for it. It came with the house. And once I eventually move, it's probably going to stay here because I'm not going to do anything with it because uh, it's just too big to move and it's, and it's downstairs. So. Started shooting pool, relaxing a little bit, and, you know, just casually watching, you know, the Lions game, and it was just, it was just nauseating to watch. And I couldn't, I just, you know, that's my whole point. It's like I can take a blowout a hell of a lot better than a close game or a close game where we get absolutely screwed out of calls from. Close games, I can understand. I can live with a little bit. Yeah, this kind of stings a little bit, but just move on with it. But okay, well, we didn't have it this year. There's the ones that, you know, we have controversial calls. It's like, all right, we got screwed on that. Anyone with the brain knows. But yeah, I started, like I said, I just started shooting pool, casually watching the game. And is that. At a certain point, I was like, you know what? I had enough of this. I mean, Jared Goff isn't even trying. He's getting the offensive line decided to have its worst game of the year. I mean, Matt Nelson was absolutely getting abused by... I can't remember the guy's name. But this is a, a Philadelphia Eagles team that is not that good. Not good at all. That's struggling, like the Lions are. And... Eagles came in and absolutely destroyed them. I mean, the Lions came out lifeless. 
It was absolutely horrible to watch. I mean, I couldn't watch anymore. I, I, I switched to, it was a Pittsburgh and Cleveland game. Now, and I, somehow I have this NFL season ticket. I don't know if I'm paying extra for it. Because usually you have to on DirecTV. And I, the first year I got it, it was free. But now it's all of a sudden it's like it's like turned on and I'm looking at my phone but not my phone bill, but my cable bill and I don't see any extra charges for it. So I'm like, I guess I get it for free now or something. I have no idea. Maybe it comes with my package. I have no idea. But I was even looking through some of those games and be like, okay, this is these games aren't that good. And that, that there's actually and there was actually some good ones. Actually some good games. I was kind of fooled by the names. Or the fact that you know, Michigan lost and Lions getting their ass kicked. And it was like, ah, man, I don't know if I have it into me to watch any other football games. I started watching Cleveland and Pittsburgh, and that was a heck of a game. Pittsburgh pulled it off in the end. Started watching a little bit of uh, the Tampa Bay and New Orleans Saints game as well. Watched some of that. I mean, that's how bad Lions were. I mean, I, I turned it off and started watching other games. And then I was like, I need to still get my football fix. I started casually watching, shooting some pool, you know, in my basement, which I'm not good at whatsoever. You know, I just kind of make up my own rules. I'm just, you know, I, I know some of the rules and how to play pool, but, you know, it's like, you know what? I'm not professional. I'm not playing against anyone. I'm just shooting for fun. So I'm just, you know, just having a way at it. And of course, my daughters always come down and they, had to get on top of the pool table. And for the longest of time, the pool table was just cluttered with stuff. Because my wife doesn't see it as a pool table. She just sees it as like a table to set stuff on. So I think it was Friday. I decided, like, yep, this is changing. I'm getting this all cleared off. And I'm not going to I'm gonna keep it that way. So I got everything off. Trying to vacuum up as much of the dog hair as possible. And... So I can actually go and play some pool and just, have, just make it look nicer around here. That's what I did. And of course, you know, when you have kids, it takes about 0.5 seconds as soon as you clean something for them to get all over it. It's like a new adventure for them. Of course, I like to throw, try to throw the pool, the, the pool balls and whatnot. It's like, no, don't do that. But anyways, we'll take another break and we'll do another segment. Welcome back to the Michael Heath Show. Well, thank you for listening to me this, you know, so far, or this long of a podcast. Usually these podcasts, as you can see, they all range from different times. I mean, I don't try to put a cap at like 30 minutes or an hour. Sometimes I, I try to keep it if I had, don't have the time. But this, you know, I'll probably try to do a podcast. I'll probably do another podcast tomorrow and throughout the, throughout the week. Because I have the week off. There's a lot of things I other things I want to do. So who knows? I always say, hey, I'll talk to you or do another podcast next week. And a month goes by and it's like, okay. But anyways, talk about the Lions. You know, at games, they look very well coached. They seem in it. They're motivated to play. And there's games like they like the Philadelphia Eagles games where they come in out and they get absolutely get their asses beat. And that was one of those games. <laughs> Obviously. But I mean against the Rams, they pulled out all the stops, fake punts, onside kicks, I mean just a lot of things. Like actual like Dan the coaching job, for the most part, this season has been good. It's just that they have no players. They have no wide receivers. Their number one wide receiver is Khalif Raymond. Actually, no, it's actually it's TJ Hawkinson, who's your top receiver. Khalif Raymond is your wide receiver number one. You have no wide receivers whatsoever. Quick to see this 
is out for the season. He just don't have that go-to wide receiver right now. You don't have that possession wide receiver. You don't have that receiver that can stretch the field. You know, Cliff Raymond is kind of a speedster, but you just don't have the offensive weapons right now to compete. And I mean, you're, you're, the cupboards are bare. I mean, Cleef Raymond is probably, on any other team, a third wide receiver, third or fourth wide receiver. You had the, you just need to get it. Like I said before, you get one or two bona fide number, bona fide number one and bona fide number two wide receiver. No, you don't even have to get a bona fide number two wide receiver. You probably have a bona fide number two. Well, maybe not, but you get two real good receivers, two good receivers, and that opens up that game offense a lot more. But it goes back to my argument that a lot of people are so blinded at what's on the field and they always try to they always try to say so and so is a problem they try to say Matt Stafford is the problem they've said that for the past Four or five years. Oh, hey, you know, Matt Stafford, he's a problem. He's the reason running around, running, blah, blah, blah. And they go, no, 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 it's not the reason. He goes off to, gets traded to the Los Angeles Rams, and he's having a career year. And this is my point about the Lions, is that it didn't matter who the coach was. It didn't matter who the GM was. They got the talent. The coach wasn't able to put it together. Because Matt Stafford is finally in a system. He finally has a coach that wants to utilize his arm talents. Doesn't want to try to hone it in or try to hold it back. He's finally in a system where it's opened. They're stretching the field. I mean, he's having a career year. He already had, had, has 20 plus touchdowns already. He's in the top 5 to 10 in yardage in the whole league only lost one game so far but uh, man, that's an overall team stat but he's having a career year and a lot of people were saying that he was a good quarterback not a great quarterback no I knew he was a great quarterback because of, of what he was doing in Detroit and how well he was playing even when it, the coaches were hindering him. Jim Caldwell helped him, but he also kind of roped him in a little bit. Derek Bevel kind of was doing that. He was having some good years with Derek Bevel. But it was at the beginning where Scott Linehan and... I mean, it just seemed like they never used the talent. They, it's kind of like what Michigan said. You know, they go off, they go off to another team, and they just go and they prosper. Point is that it's not the one player. It's what, and you see what's wrong with it. So now I'm getting all flustered. What I'm trying to say is that now that Matthew Stafford's gone, now you're seeing what this franchise really is, and it's. And you look back at the past 60 years, and it's always been the same. You can't blame it. Oh, Matt Stafford was the reason why we're losing. Nah, Matt Stafford was the reason, one of the reasons why you're winning X amount of games. By no means that this season was meant to be competitive. It was meant to win games. This was a full-on rebuild from the get-go. That's why they got two first-round draft picks for Matthew Stafford. And they also took Jared Goff off the Rams' hands. Now you could have gotten more draft picks, supposedly from Carolina, I believe. <clears throat> but you also want to kind of do right by Matt Stafford. And I guess Matt Stafford was probably wanting to go to L.A. 
but you know, Carolina would have been just as good of a place, but I think he fit in a lot more better with Sean McVay than he would have with Matt Rule. But this is a full-on rebuild. And the things that, that are very, like I said before, when this GM search happened and this coach search happened, be aware of when they get the new GM or the new head coach of what team they start dealing with the most, start doing trades with. If it's the team that they come from, that's a bad sign because they've seen that every almost every single time we've made a some sort of a coaching switch. They, what they do is they go back to the team that they were once with and start striking deals. Brad Holmes, Los Angeles Rams, struck a couple deals. Got Michael Brockers in a separate trade. Got some players from New Orleans. They start taking, you know, players from, you know, their previous regime. It's, it's kind of a red flag. Yeah, I know you're comfortable with them, but I've seen it. Brad Marinelli in Tampa Bay. Seen it with Jim, uh, Jim Shorts and Tennessee here and there. But, man, it's... I think it, and it's also our fault in a way because we expect it. We think there's like some kind of special formula of how to be successful and how it, uh, <clears throat> you have to take. And we kind of scrutinize when it's not that formula. But at the end of the day, just get it right. Just win. And, you know, this season isn't going to be much more pretty for the Lions. Because I think Jared Goff, he's on his way out. I mean, I think I guess he was benched in the fourth quarter, rightfully so. But it doesn't matter who you put back there right now; they're going to struggle. You put Tom Brady back there; he's going to struggle. The offensive line played their worst game. Panay Sewell, he's he's taking his lumps. He's had an up and down season. Expect that from a rookie, but he's holding his ground. Ask Aaron Donald. He wasn't taking anything from Aaron Donald. He wasn't taking anything. But anyways, I think this will end it for this podcast. Thank you for listening. Who knows? There might be more on my mind tomorrow. On Wednesday, I have part some engage some uh, plans already. So who knows? Maybe Wednesday. Well, depends. Who knows? Maybe Thursday we'll do another one. Until then, thank you for listening. And please spread the word.